Jeffrey Wright, and you're listening to Mission Daily. Selected as best of 2018 by Apple, Mission Daily is the number one podcast for accelerated learning. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Mission Daily. This is Stephanie Postles, COO of the Mission, and I'm joined by Chad. Chad Grills, hey. (laughs) Hello, you came in a little hot there. Just, uh, yes, sneaking in. (laughs) You did sneak in. Sneaking in the intro. I thought you were going to hand it over. (laughs) All right, I kind of handed it over. So this week, theme week, theme week is relationships week. Yes. What are we talking about? This week, we're talking about a family that started a business and it was all based on one book, The Four Agreements. And The Four Agreements is a very popular book. It sold something like 7 million copies, maybe, maybe more. But the Ruiz family is fascinating. And it all started with this one book. And we'll talk more about how the family has turned this into their own small business empire of coaching and training. And when I read, I actually listened to the audiobook a couple weeks ago now, and it blew me away. And the four agreements are probably the best reminders in the world to bring up time and time again, to reflect on. And by reflecting on them, you're going to, you can't help but improve your relationship. You can't help but catch yourself in logical fallacies. And I really want to help people who are listening avoid unnecessary pain in their relationships. I think forgiveness is really underrated, and we want to encourage everyone to come together in their relationships and collaborate. So the four agreements that we're going to go over are going to help you do just that. And we're going to go over the first two agreements today, and then the agreements three and four tomorrow. And then we're going to do the fifth agreement, which is the second follow-on book on Wednesday's episode. And then on Thursday and Friday, we have two special guests for you. So this theme week is going to be awesome. We've got a lot of feedback that's very positive on the theme weeks that we've been doing. So that's awesome. So if you want to DM us or hit us up on the socials and let us know what you're thinking or how the theme weeks have helped you, it's uh, really helpful for us. So thank you so much. And Steph, let's kick it off. All right. And also one side note, I do recommend people go and check out the audiobook, The Four Agreements, because it, it's way shorter than I thought when I downloaded it. I think it's two hours. Two and 30 hours. Minutes. Yep. So that was great. And then also a lot of these agreements, I think people can listen to them and get different things from each agreement and see different areas in their life where they're, they might hear it differently and apply it differently than we would. So definitely check it out because this is our perspective on it. So Yeah. Not dogma, but they're uh, a guideline. Each of them are almost like a mental model you can use to view things in a new light. Yep. All right. So let's go on to the first agreement, which is be impeccable with your word. Yes. So when we talk about being impeccable with your word, your word is one of the most powerful things you have in your life. Everything that exists in your life now was a result or uh, consequence of things that you spoke into the world. And we think of, it's very easy to take spoken language as something that's, uh, oh, it's just a nice to have thing, but it's actually a miraculous thing. When I speak, if your internal dictionary matches with mine or is even remotely similar, we can collaborate. When I work hard to craft my words so that they are relatable to you and we can come together and accomplish way more together. But when we use our word to you know, elicit fear, uncertainty, or doubt in other people's minds, or when we're careless with it, we can do very damaging things. And 
it's uh, something that you obviously want to avoid. And gossip is actually the normal state of human relationships and affairs. And gossip is one of the most deadly and damaging things in the world. Yeah, I really like the sentence in the book when it says, your word is the power to create and manifest everything. And oftentimes, I might botch this part, humans use the word to thoughtlessly put spells on each other. So you don't even realize how sometimes the things that you're saying to other people is influencing, you know, possibly their life, their thoughts about themselves. And we'll get into the future agreements on maybe why that shouldn't be the case. But a lot of times people are going around, like you said, gossiping and saying things and saying things about their own life that they don't realize it's creating their own reality around them, which I really like thinking about. Definitely. And the root of the word spelling is spell, which means to cast spells. That's when the written word started to gain popularity. People referred to it as spelling because of its basically incredible power. It had to create a symbol that could control other people or could shape the future. Hmm. And so when you're spelling and you have a, a very, very big power, whether you know it or not, and it can feel like, oh, it's, it's not very powerful or my words don't matter that much, but they do because we all know, we all have that feeling of being just absolutely crushed by someone else's words or overhearing what someone has said about us to other people or in passing. And I just, I can't even imagine a worse feeling than figuring out that somebody has been gossiping about you. It sucks. It's really, really rough. And if you know that feeling and if you are familiar with that pain, it's very tempting to think, okay, that person has hurt me. I'll, I'll hurt them or lash back out or just gossip about someone else and take out the anger someplace else. But you have to fight that. You have to fight that urge and really try to be impeccable with your word and use it for good, for healing instead of gossip. Yep. Did you ever watch Sabrina the Teenage Witch? I've seen a couple episodes. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my, after I read this book and was going out into the world, I was kind of like, I'm Sabrina and I need to be careful with my word. I don't want to <laughs> put spells on people. You know, she used to always put fun spells, not the Netflix version. That one's actually very dark. But the original one, she would just put kind of funny little spells on people. But that came into my mind when I'm like out interacting with people, just everything I say and just need to make sure it's what I mean. And, you know, um, just being more careful with how I say things. Same. Side tangent. No, no, not tangent at all. And I was thinking about, so last year uh, I was going through a period where I found out that someone was not just gossiping in a way that was petty or annoying uh, about me with other people, but gossiping in a way that was perhaps quite, <laughs> let's just be super blunt. There's a very good chance that they were basically gossiping about me to really damage my reputation, to hurt the business, to hurt some of my other relationships. And it came as a big surprise at first. And it was something that I heard about a couple times from different people. So the validity of it was probably accurate. And it created a lot of conflicting emotions in me. And for a while, I slipped into this period where I found myself starting to gossip about others. And it's not something uh, I've really worked hard over the years to eliminate the urge to gossip. And there were certain points in my career in the military where gossiping was the just normal state of affairs. And it's really, really damaging and it can destroy relationships. So I knew this, I knew this intuitively, but when someone else had started to gossip about me, I kind of just descended into a place where I, I didn't care anymore. It felt like, well, everybody's going to gossip. It doesn't matter if I gossip back, basically. Yep. And 
I, I stopped to think about it and you can never be upset at someone else for not being impeccable with their word unless you are willing to be impeccable with your word. So it's one of the hardest things you'll ever do. But if you can be honest with yourself and look at how you're speaking about other people when they're not there, that's really the key to becoming not just a leader, but becoming someone who makes the situation better wherever you're at. And also looking at those people and being like, you know, they're not really thinking about what they're saying or how they're saying it. And that's okay because I am mm-hmm. and I'll lead by example. And I think another thing I forgot to highlight is what the word impeccability even means. It oh, means great, great call. without sin. So impeccable comes from the Latin word peccatus, I think, which means mm-hmm. sin. So when you say impeccable, it means without sin. And I really liked it because the book didn't really relate it to, okay, sin based on the Bible means this. You know, it was more like, a sin is anything that goes against yourself and what you believe, you know, is right and true and doing the right thing, which I liked because, you know, everyone hears the word sin and they just think, okay, I'm in church and I'm, yeah, it's you know. A, there are a lot of negative connotations associated with the w- word sin because often when we first encounter it, we're doing something where we're not hurting anyone and someone just swoops in and says, this, this, and this are a sin. And you're like, you're, you're young, you're very impressionable and there's no rhyme or reason for it. That's not what sin traditionally meant. So sin means missing the mark. So the idea of sin is that if you have a concept of what is good in your head, of what's virtuous, of what's moral, what's ethical, and you don't strive for that, you're in a sense sinning because you know what the mark is, but you're missing it. So when you use sin there, that's I would just encourage everyone to not think of it in the sense where yeah, basically the negative sense. We all know what it feels like when somebody says you're sinning and you're like, I'm not I have no idea what you're talking about. Why would you say that? Yep, I love that. So a couple ideas to start practicing how to be impeccable with your word that I know Chad and myself are implementing is one, to start watching ourselves when we speak and find someone that you can watch You know your words together. So Chad and I are kind of joining together to see you know, what are you saying? What am I saying? How is that coming off? Like, Are we being impeccable with our word? And also listening when others are speaking to you and trying to figure out like, is this someone who's being careful with what they're saying? And if not, how can I kind of lead by example and show them how to do this and show them, you know, that I'm being very impeccable with everything I do throughout life. Definitely. And the next thing that is a great idea to help be impeccable with your word is to make a habit of when you hear gossip come up from others to just leave the conversation. You don't have to participate in it. You don't have to judge it, but you can distance yourself from it. Yep. No one is going to look back and say, man, I have a better relationship with that person because we sat and gossiped about someone else. I was thinking about that the other day and I definitely used to be a gossiper, so I'm not above that. Um, But I look back, I'm like, I don't, you know, no relationship was ever moved forward or, you know, I have fond memories because of the gossip that would take place back in my college days or whatever. Yeah, so all of us have gossiped many points in our lives. And when you look back at that or look at it in the present, I think it's very important to forgive yourself because gossiping is the normal default state of human affairs, sadly. So you've been raised in a, chances are anyways, you've been raised in a culture that not only permits gossip, but has trained you over years and years to gossip. So you really have to be patient with yourself and forgive yourself if you find yourself falling back into this habit. It's going to take maybe even years to really form new habits of speaking wonderful things about your friends. Yeah. And that's actually a good reminder of how the book even started was that you were born and had so many agreements pushed on you 
Mm-hmm. And so many, you know, so many things that are like the norm were pushed on you early on in life that you have to actively try and break some of those agreements that you think is customary. Definitely. So. And numbers four and five here for two more ideas to help be impeccable. Number four is when you get a phone call, text, message, or email from someone who is gossiping or wants to gossip and then is, you know, ends the message with an invitation for you to gossip back or join them in that, ghost them. Like that's people use like ghosting all the time for when it doesn't really have a point. Why not choose that? You mean like dropping in a ghost emoji? Yes. No, that's that's not what I mean. Uh, (laughs) Or just like don't respond. Okay. Don't respond. You don't, you don't have to respond to that. And you you don't have to explain yourself with, with that when it comes up, you can just not participate. You, you have that freedom. A lot of people say like, oh, you need to respond to every message. You need to respond to every email. There was a New York times opinion piece recently that came out where the author is a professor. He's like, it's rude not to respond to every single email you get. You can do whatever you want. And that's, you don't have to fall into silly dogmas like that. The same people that advocate things like, oh, religious dogmas are ridiculous, then advocate new dogmas like you have to reply to every single email. You can do whatever you want to do, which brings us to our fifth point here. The, the fifth point is practice. It's nothing great is going to come from just saying, okay, I'm not going to gossip anymore. It's only going to happen through practicing. So when the invitation comes up to gossip, when you feel the urge or when you catch yourself mid-sentence, try doing something new, which is just practicing saying something different. You might not feel it. It might feel inauthentic even, but just practice it. Just see what it's like to speak about a positive future or like we've talked about earlier, steel man, a person and remember their best traits, focusing on that. Awesome. Okay. So going on to the second agreement, it ties well into when you were saying that someone, you know, was talking badly about you and it really hurt your feelings and how, how big of an impact it had on you. The second agreement is don't take anything personally. This and one's so, so it's hard, so hard, but you know, but why very I like liberating. It? Yeah. So liberating because not only is it don't take the bad stuff personally. Don't take compliments personally, because when you take something personally, I love that how he put it at something along the lines of you're assuming that that person has the same beliefs and life agreements and thinks the same way you do and has the same value and, you know, appropriately valuing certain things like you do. You're assuming they know all that. Right. So whether it's a compliment or whether it's, you know, gossiping about you or you hear about that. Either one you shouldn't take personally because that's assuming that they know everything about you. Right. And that's great. Nobody has as much context as you. So it's it's very important that you position yourself and recognize yourself as the final arbiter. So no one can assign sin to you except for you. You have you have that power and be gentle with yourself, be forgiving and uh, don't don't accept it from others. Yep. Yeah, I love that. So how is it? I'm trying to think about how we've been practicing that lately. So personally, I've been practicing it by when something comes up where in the past I've, you know, taken comments like that personally or where I start to feel offended, I just notice it and and I just recognize it. And the big superpower in today's age where it's never been easier to say anything about anyone anonymously or in the comment sections and things like that, you still have the power to not only not engage with that and not read it and not fill your mind with that, but feel offense, but don't entertain it. Give yourself a couple seconds to feel offense and then imagine a more accurate scenario where you you know think really hard about what is going on in that person's life. 
does that person know you? Do, do they know anything about you and your intentions and your motives? Chances are they don't. Chances are they're hurting. Hurting people hurt others. And when you encounter someone who's hurting, there is a big, big trap of offense. And don't, don't fall for that trap. You can feel it, but recognize it for what it is, which is a trap. Yeah, I really liked um, the piece in the book when he was talking about human suffering, where first he said, we're the hardest on ourselves mm -hmm. because we're the only species who has a memory where if you, you know, you do something and it could be five years ago, you continue to replay it and kind of scold yourself over and over and over, even though it might have been like three years since you made that mistake, you always come back and can remember it where, you know, maybe a dog makes a mistake two minutes later. Okay, don't you, you know. That never happened. It doesn't keep replaying that memory in its head of like, man, I suck. Man, geez, I'm so horrible. And I thought that was really important just to be kind to yourself. Right. But then also when people, you know, maybe say something that hurts your feeling, he made a great point that, yeah, like you said, people who are suffering want to make unintentionally or intentionally other people suffer. And that a lot of times if someone is hurting you, let me get this right. If someone's hurting you less than you're hurting yourself, you'll stay with them. Mm -hmm. So if you're already kind of abusing yourself and hurting yourself, you know, every day and being, you know, rough on yourself, if someone's doing just a little bit under that, you'll stay with them. And it was just very interesting to think about, especially when I think about relationships around me or people that I know and being like, man, why is that person with so-and-so? Like, they're so rude. They treat them so badly. Oh, it's because they treat themselves just a little bit less badly than that person does. So they accept it. That's a great reminder. And let's jump into five ideas to start practicing how you can not take anything personally. Yep. So the first one, notice what triggers you and don't just notice it, but also judge it. Yeah. So notice it, but don't judge it. That's, that's what we're saying here. And when it comes up, when you feel triggered, when you feel offended, you have to be, again, very forgiving with yourself because if something is triggering for you, if something throws you into a highly emotional or reactive state, then chances are you've been hurt in the past by something similar. And there's a phenomena in psychology called repetition compulsion. And when you are triggered, when you are offended, there's a tendency to revert back to your mind's basically reliving that traumatic event. So notice it and don't judge it. And the second way here where you can start to avoid taking things personally is to just think about why are you triggered? And then follow that question all the way to the root. So think about the past times where you've been triggered and get some distance for yourself. If you're in a conversation where you're face to face and you become triggered, you become offended, take a walk, get outside and go back to the root of the first time you felt like this and have compassion with yourself. Chances are it happened when you were very young, the first event that was similar and yeah, follow it all the way to the root. Yep. And one of the ways I'm going to start practicing this is it's easy to not take, not easy, but it's easier to maybe not take something offensive personally, but I'm going to be practicing the opposite of not taking compliments personally, because I think that's yeah. actually the harder one, at least for me, when I get a compliment, Ooh, my ego feels so good. I'm like, man, this is great. And I want, I don't want to rely on that. I want, you know, to rely on my own self compliments mm -hmm. and my, you know, I want to be able to boost myself. And so figuring out how to try and start shaping my life so it doesn't just take other people's compliments and ideas personally, because then I think it'll be easier to not take the offensive ones personally as well if I get the other side taken care of. Definitely. That's a really good reminder. And numbers three and four here for two more ideas. 
These are two questions. So just ask yourself, what if you didn't take anything personally? What would your life be like? What would your mental state be like? What would your blood pressure be like? It would probably be incredible. And the second question is, why are you going to take a couple words personally? Why? They're just words. And so rarely does anyone actually do something to us. What happens is they typically say something to us or we insinuate or start to assume a little foreshadowing there of what's next. And so just start asking yourself those, those questions. And one more idea. So the fifth idea here is to, uh, again, get back to practice. So go through your worst fears of what someone might say. So go through your worst fears of how you are typically offended and how you are triggered and imagine that these are presented to you and then write some responses about how you could handle them in a positive way, how you could get past them. Because if you're preparing yourself for the worst and preparing ahead of time, when something comes up, it's typically going to be much less than you had imagined and you can get past it much easier. Love it. Okay. So in the next episode, we're going to be covering the third and fourth agreements of the four agreements book. Uh, So we hope you guys liked it and we will see you tomorrow. See you then. Mission Daily and all of our podcasts are created with love by our team at mission.org. We own and operate a network of podcasts and a brand and story studio designed to accelerate learning. Our clients include companies like Salesforce, their customer times five, Twilio, and Katera, who work with us because we produce results. To learn more and get our case studies, check out mission.org slash studios. If you're tired of media and news that promotes fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and if you want an antidote to all that chaos, you're at the right place. Subscribe here and to our daily newsletter at mission.org. Each morning, you'll get a newsletter that will help you start your morning and your day off right. Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.